As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello, welcome to our Laz and Powers. This is Scott Powers with Mark Lazarus. We're in person. We're about to start a hockey season. We're yeah, it's uh, we exist because we haven't podcasted. Like I think we have one podcast. We do like, have the one podcast. I, I feel a lot worse <laughs> if we didn't have that one podcast. And again, we're in the parking lot of Manny's, which begins. <laughs> this is our office. This is our studio. <laughs> is the parking lot Manny's. of Manny's. The Athletic may want to look into Manny's uh, sponsorship here. Laz and Powers is brought to you by Pastrami and Corned Beef. Yes, and uh, very good. Uh, Potato pancakes, potato. I'm more of a matzo. Potato. The, well, they're potato, latkes. They're latkes. Yeah, latkes they're, like. they're, the, 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 the latkes here are more like potato cakes because they're yeah. so thick. They're still delicious. <laughs> I'm more of a matzo ball soup guy. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we. Uh, yeah, it's been a. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been, been a minute. I, yeah, I don't, it, it seems like it. it like it's been a long off season, but it's also like. But nothing's happened since we last talked. Like we would have been like I know I know there are people out there that just what they 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 do a podcast every week no matter what, but they're just they're just killing time, man. Yeah. You 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 actually finally three months after your baby was born got some paternity leave. That was nice. Yes, no, indeed. Um, I just started you know watched all of for all mankind because my kids are back at school and I was able to actually still watch some grown up shows. I haven't done really much of anything. There, there's a show. I I actually thought this year maybe we can do a segment and we can figure out like I'm we never really stick to anything. But if we had like a <laughs> pop culture segment because I've watched so much TV over the last six yeah I don't think of, you and I watch the same thing. I know, but that's the fun thing is that there, there's a show called The Detectorists. The Detectorists. Detectorists. It's not. I don't think it's that. I think it's just Detectorists. But it's by one of the guys who did the uh, UK Office, and it's about metal detectors. And it's just like this. This it, okay. it's this comedy. It just it, it was. There's a there's an app. Um, I guess a, like a TV service called Acorn, and it, it it broadcasts like 
English. Are you going to make me sign up for yet another? I have 37,000 streaming services. And I still couldn't watch Northwestern. This show might be worth it. And it's also great because just like a lot of the UK shows, like it's like three seasons and it's out, you know? Like it's like they they know when to cut things off. Yeah, they're efficient. um, But yeah, it's called Detectorists, and it was yeah, it was just two metal detectorists and uh, the club they belong to, and they live in, like in a small little <laughs> English community. And yeah, it was. It was, it was All right. Well, if we do a pop culture really, segment, though, it's going to come at the end of the podcast. Not yes. No. The no. Intro, no. So. Yeah, I, I've already wasted. Yeah. My, <laughs> we are three days let's away. Stop hockey. It's Monday afternoon as we record this, and we are three days away from the start of Blackhawks training camp on Thursday at Fifth Third Arena, 10 a.m. Open to the public. Wear a mask. Um, and we got a lot to talk about. We're going to start by talking about just in general the battles to watch for, you know, the storylines entering camp. We'll talk a little bit. I was at the uh, NHL Player Media Tour this weekend and um, talk about some of the interactions I had. Mark Andre Fleury was there, Patrick Kane, um, Seth Jones, and Alex Dabrinkit were all there. Four out of the 30 players were Blackhawks, which is a <laughs> lot. So I have some star power. And that was in Chicago. And uh, Scott's going to talk a little bit. Well, we'll talk about the uh, prospect tournament, which he dutifully watched and broke down. I was not film there, but and, I did watch this. Uh, yeah, on grainy, you know, streaming video from the wild. And you still managed to somehow break down all the film and stuff. Very impressive work. Um, and um, then we're going to answer some questions we got on Twitter here. Um, and to the end of the season. So... You know, I, I, I just sat down with Calvin DeHaan for a story I'm working on for, uh, you know, probably come out sometime next week. And there's there's a there's a real excitement around the Blackhawks this year. Like, they really... One of the things I asked at the Players Tour this week, I was, I was asking everyone from the Central Division, there are six teams in the Central Division that are absolutely convinced they're playoff teams. And obviously they can only be five, maybe four. Pacific's really bad. It's going to be five. But, so how, how does that work? Someone who is supposed to make the playoffs is not going to make the playoffs. And if you look around the league and you look at the the, the the gambling lines, you look at the prognostications, everyone's saying it's the Blackhawks are going to be the odd man out. Uh, how do you see... What are the Blackhawks right now? Are the Blackhawks a playoff team? One, I, I, mean, I think the Kabrizov stuff with Minnesota, like, it, it makes yeah. a difference, you know? Um, yeah. I, I've been thinking about this, too, and I, I think it's... There's so many ifs, and the ifs go right. The Blackhawks are a lot better than we think, but it, it, there, there's so many ifs that have to be go the Blackhawks way, it, it's, you know, if Taves is right, if Doc, you know, gets back on the progression, like if if Borgstrom or Reichel or Gaudette or Strom or your third and fourth centers, you know, like you... If Flurry is still Vezina winning Flurry. Yeah, like, yeah, it's it's weird, like, it, you go from having such, like, biggest, you know, enter last season, your biggest question marks, like, none of these goalies are proven, and now you have a pretty stable net again, um, you know, I... You know, I think Seth Jones needs to be something that's pretty special, but maybe he doesn't need to be as good as you know, like as everyone thinks, because you have McCabe and you have Murphy, and the defense looks so much different than last year. Looks uh, good. Yeah, it's no, like legitimately it, good. Yeah, first time in yeah, I was I mean probably since what 2017 or 16 that you you feel pretty good about the defense being solid, and you know this is the first time that Carlton has his guys, and um, you know. Guys that could probably play, you know, or should be able to play his system. So the numbers should reflect that. I think there's a lot of pressure on Colleton to, you know, like it's not just win, but it's it's to prove that your system and um, what you're trying to do defensively, it, it, it works with the right personnel. So I, I um, and, and we'll get into it, but the roster batters, battles are really unique because it's, it, they have more NHL talent, I think, especially forwards than they've had in some time. But you need guys to, to pan out. Like you need, uh, you need Strom to kind of return to form, or um, you know, if, if it's Reichel or if it's Goddard. I mean, they 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 put a lot of stock in acquiring Borgstrom, and 
Um, you know, Borkstrom doesn't pan out like that trade doesn't look as good if you're just, you know, like I know Stillman's added, but he's probably a sixth or seventh defenseman. And Conley, I, I assume probably, um, you know, a healthy scratch on this team. Um, so yeah, they put a lot of, you know, a lot of stock in this Borgstrom being the real deal. So yeah, I, I think there's the possibility where I think in recent years, you know, when, especially when we've talked to scouts or people are like, no, this is the last place team. This, right. you know, this team's really bad. And I, I think when you look at this team, especially on paper, you can be like, yeah, this, this could work. And, and there's a lot more optimism than there had been in, in, you know, yeah, three or four years at least. I remember right after the, uh, the, all the, 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 the Jones and Flurry trades, everything happened. Like the day after everything calmed down, um, I was texting with a player on the team and, uh, he saw a, t- he saw a tweet of mine where I said, okay, best case scenario. And I listed what I thought was the best looking lineup, like knee jerk reaction lineup. And a player texted me with a screenshot of my tweet and he said, that's a team that's going to win a lot of games. They believe that, like, they're not, like, putting on PR. They believe that this is a playoff team now. These players, especially the veterans who have been waiting for the team to kind of get back into win-now mode, they're, 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 they're stoked. They think there's something there. Um, let, let's start with Seth Jones. I wrote about him today. Um, and we've been having some fun with the Dom Lucision stuff where Dom hates Seth Jones and thinks he's the worst player ever, which is not true at all. And, you know, and, I, and, I, and I'm talking to people who's like, he's like a god descended from heaven. Obviously, he's somewhere in the middle. He is yeah. certainly not a bad player. The question is, can he be the dominant player he was four years ago and everyone projected him to be the rest of his career? The problem, I feel like we need to clarify this because people were like accusing me of being hyperbolic. And I, of course, I'm always hyperbolic. But in the story, it's not. I believe that Seth Jones is a good hockey player. He makes the Blackhawks better, sure. The question that we've been harping on was, was he worth the price they paid? Not just in the trade, but in that money. They gave him an eight-year, $76 million contract, a $9.5 million cap it for a guy who was bad last year. He said it himself. I, 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 I didn't have a good season last year. He knows that. So nobody thinks that Seth Jones sucks. There may be someone out there on Twitter, but nobody who actually has a brain thinks that Seth Jones sucks. Nobody's implying that he sucks. But there is this narrative that he's already washed up, that he's on the decline. He doesn't even turn 27 for a couple of weeks. So a lot of this hinges on Seth Jones. He is an improvement He's better than Duncan Keith has been the last couple of years. Duncan Keith hasn't been a true number one in a while, and he was still being leaned on like one. Seth Jones is going to play you 24 minutes tonight. He's going to be competent, and he's going to help the power play. He's going to make you better. If he could be great again, he keeps harping on the fact that he wants to improve his offense, and they need that. They need more offense from the back end. But, you know, if he can be mostly what he was, he's a huge upgrade for the Blackhawks. And like you said, I mean, you know, you've got... Uh, Seth Jones, Jake, Jake McCabe is, by the way, the best signing the Blackhawks made this offseason. Like, I, the best acquisition. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is great, and Seth Jones is really good, all that. But Jake McCabe's the guy they've needed for years. A true shutdown to compare with Connor Murphy and just a lockdown Oduya Jalmerson-style pairing. This defense looks pretty good. Will they play pretty good? Or will they be set up to succeed? Will they adopt to, quote-unquote, the system that we're always talking about with Jeremy Calton. These are the questions that won't be answered in training camp. We don't know how they're going uh, to perform until mid-November, maybe. So issue number one, Seth Jones, is he going to be the good Seth Jones? And will this defense as a whole, you know, be put in a position to succeed? I don't... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. That's that's what's fun. But he, and we're I, not going to know I, I, about I, it in camp. That that's not you know we'll, we'll have an idea of what shape Jonathan Taves is in, but we're not going to know if this defense is any good until they played a lot of games. I, I guess starting off with the, the system, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with the system. I mean, right. it's a similar system. To a lot of people, and and it's funny when we were just talking over lunch right now. I, I was I was watching 
clips of the Blackhawks last couple of games against Dallas, which were just atrocious, where they've been outshot, you know, 40 to 10 or some, and, and just, and as much as they've added pieces, I think getting getting rid of Zidorov was, was just as important. Like a lot of the breakdowns that happened in the defensive zone were were due to him and and getting him exposed and people having to cover up for him. And um, you know, there's other guys that have issues, and and I think this also allows you know guys that like Bodan and Mitchell and a lot of guys and even Kalinick had his issues last year in the defensive zone. Like you bring in enough experienced guys, like you can send those guys back to Rockford and they can take their time. I, I think. I think now they have, you know, they have six defensemen, you know, if you add in Stillman and Jones that they believe in, um, that are veteran guys, and uh, you don't necessarily, I, I think Kelnick might get a look just because he's so high in offensively. Might he be can like, also play both sides. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, you know, he'll, he'll be a second power play unit type of guy too. I think he might make sense too. He's a little bit older, but, you know, Bodan and Mitchell and, um, you know, we'll get into the prospect camp, but I, I, the prospect tournament, but, you know, Grula, there's other guys that, you know, saw some NHL time last year that I think that you can be more patient with. And, and sometimes the Blackhawks have been impatient with their defensemen. Like, if they waited longer on Forsling, you know, if he, he could be, if the Blackhawks had Forsling now to what he was in Florida this past season, like, he, he'd be a top four defenseman. And, um, you know, I, I think the Blackhawks even more patience with, with, Boquist, they could have used it, and you know I think Bodan and Mitchell last year was strange, but those guys can use a lot more time in Rockford. So I think having capable defensemen and one of them not being Zadorov, I think benefits them. Like they're they're more likely to be able to play this system. Um, you know, from everything I've talked to and seen of Seth Jones, I think a lot of scouts' concerns are about the way that he defends the rush. Um, so I don't know if that changes, but I think within the defensive zone, like he can be solid, and uh, he's playing with better offensive players now too. So like that could definitely. I mean, Columbus, I think people, Columbus people, wasn't exactly a great team. People like, overlook that. Like Columbus was awful last year. You know, your, your numbers are going to be affected by that. Well, I think part of it is, I think they looked at Wazinski and his numbers were actually pretty good. So yeah. like it wasn't like affected by the whole team. So, but I, I all think, right, I'm on the background. Seth Jones sucks. Got it. <laughs> But I, I think that I think that he benefits from better forwards too. Like if they're, you know, like I think the Blackhawks, offensive-minded guy. Blackhawks, you know, you took away Panarin from that Columbus group, and they just they didn't have as much offensive firepower. So I, I think that could help Seth Jones. Um, he's obviously motivated, and I, I would assume that he put a lot of time into this summer to work on some of those issues and. Um, yeah, I, I he just he just got acquired to be the number one defenseman. There, there's some pressure, but there's also it also maybe helps someone rise to the challenge too. So yep. I, I I I'm curious, but I also think the Blackhawks have a group around him that can maybe support his weaknesses and you know uh, accentuate his strengths and you know like there's. Um, and I'm sure this is a conversation you and I are going to have as long as we're on this beat together, and <laughs> and his contracts rolling along. But if he's if he's good now, and the Blackhawks can win in the short term, like I don't think he worries as much of what seven years, seven and eight are right. Like right. If, I, I think he's a definite upgrade from Duncan Keith. There's like, one thing we've learned is you don't have to make it to year seven and eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm curious. I I think there's there's reasons to be. Um, maybe not to believe that Seth Jones is another Norris caliber, you know, like he may not be at that level, but uh, I, I think he can improve on what he was. And even, you know, talking to Brian Hedger that we obviously are good friends with in Covered Columbus, he thinks that uh, Jones is ready for a bounce back year. And he felt like watching him every game last season that he didn't see someone that was struggling as much as sometimes analytics suggest. So um, I guess we take. I guess we don't always take Hedge by his word like that would be a bad. So does that make Hedger a capital H capital M hockey man instead of a number boy? There may be some of that in Hedge. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, it's you know they went out and 
one of the criticisms is that people thought they should have went after Dougie Hamilton, and going after Dougie Hamilton would have meant you didn't have to give up your assets, and I think that was a big part of this, too, is that there was someone else that was maybe comparable, or someone else that could have been the number one defenseman, and the Blackhawks were all in on Seth Jones, so there's a little bit more pressure to it, because they gave up not just the, the contract, but all of it, you know, like, if the Blackhawks aren't good this year, they don't have a first-round pick next season, you know, like, that, those sort of things, and, and that's stuff that we, I'm sure, yeah, I mean, we can get to at some point, but for now, it's, it's a clean slate, and, uh, the Blackhawks made a lot of positive moves this offseason, and there's reason, yeah, I think there's reason for the Blackhawks and their fans to be optimistic about this right now. All right, number two, I think, probably number one in a lot of people's minds, is Jonathan Taves. You know, uh, I, I was talking, when I was talking to Dehan earlier today, he was, we were going through all the acquisitions and blah, 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 and he goes, and, and then he goes, and don't forget Jonathan Taves. And it's like, yeah, that's you, that's an off-season acquisition. You did not have Jonathan Taves yeah. in any capacity last year, and you're adding a future Hall of Famer, three-time champion, and your captain. That's a big addition. This lineup looks a lot different with Jonathan Taves at 1C or 2C than it does with you know anybody else in there. We don't know exactly what he's going to be. I, I tweeted this out a little earlier, and people are freaking out and then also making funny comments about it. But uh, I've had three people now tell me that Jonathan Taves is just freaking jacked. Like, he is strong as hell. Like, uh, like he's been working out during this these last couple of months. He's He's been on the ice for a while now. He's been lifting. He's strong. He's feeling good. Everyone's got good reports about him and that, you know, that there's reason for optimism. Now, the question is, you know, what's the difference between off-season conditioning and actually playing in a hockey game, playing three and four with travel in between. And that's going to be the thing that I'm going to be watching for all year is Jonathan Taves, how his body responds. We don't know how, you know, someone who's been affected by COVID like this, that's been, you know, dealing with the long, uh, long haul effects, how their body's going to respond in year two. Maybe he'll be fine. Maybe he'll be his old self. Maybe he'll be great, but maybe he won't. Maybe he needs, you know, I've, I've been writing about this for years, and every hockey player wants to punch me when I bring it up to them, but there should be load management in the NHL. It, it's much more, like, don't, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say basketball is easy, but obviously hockey is a more physically taxing sport, and, you know, the, the, the bumps and the bruises that you deal with on a regular basis. I once asked Brett Seabrook about, you know, what would you do if Joel Quenville asked you to take a night off on this because, you know, we want to keep you fresh. He basically told me he, wanted to, he would punch Joel in the face. Like, it's just not a thing that hockey players accept. They should start accepting it, and it should start with Jonathan Taze this year. You have to be really careful with him that you don't overwork him. That means not playing him 22 minutes a night, maybe playing him 15 to 17, I mean, taking him off the penalty kill, maybe kind of easing off some of his specialty work, and it means giving him Taze off. Like, I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect Jonathan Taze to play 82 games this year. That said, I guarantee you Jonathan Taze is expecting to play 82 games this year. So how Colleton handles that? You know, I'm not saying you got to treat him with kid gloves. You know, let 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 Taves cook, but we don't know how his body will respond to this. He doesn't know how his body will respond to this, and you know, my hope and my expectation is that Taves will be open with how he's feeling with the with the team. He will let them know if he thinks he needs the time off. But then, it takes a lot for a hockey player to say, "Take me out of a game." I, I will say basketball's grueling in a different way, and there's a reason why they do load management in that way. Because you know, like, it's smart in any sport. Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, I felt like you dismissed <laughs> No, like, I, I, <laughs> I tried to preface that by saying I don't mean, I'm not, like, there's a lot of banging and you're running up and down the well, court. It's more and, of like you're stretching different muscles. And, yeah, you know, no, like 100%. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not saying load management is bad. I'm saying it's, it's necessary. Well, no, no it, it is. And, and I think in basketball, you get away with it because you have five guys on, on the court and, um, yeah, obviously you take away LeBron or someone like your team is impacted, but they find ways around it. Where in hockey, you know, on paper, like it should make more sense. Like you have four centers, you take one away, but they're less likely to do that. Where they, um, 
yeah, just the, even even like last year, at least you didn't take away taste for a game or, or season. It just you, you lose that face off guy, and if you don't yeah. have anyone else to win face offs, like Tyler it, Johnson's pretty good at face offs. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I I I do think the Blackhawks have the depth, and maybe this is the way that you really tap into it because uh, you know I, I imagine the next top we get into is the roster battles, but you have enough guys. To, to fill in for someone, you know, like you have enough center depth. Like you may be Gaudet or Strom, or like there might be guys that have played a lot of games and are, are expecting to play the season. The guys that are sitting because there's there's too much depth, and it depends on what Colton wants to do with some lines. And you know, if it's like if, if a guy like Reichel, uh, you know, like he if he's you know legit, he's such an X factor this camp. Yeah, like there's there's a number of those. So I feel like you have the personnel where it's not like you're you're adding like your 13th or 14th normal forward. You're adding like you can you can take tapes out for a game and put in someone that's that, that's fully capable and, and and you certainly have to shift the minutes around but i i do think that one of the keys is finding ways to that he's not playing 20 minutes you know like it's right. it's either getting him off the power play or the penalty kill and you know the penalty kill might be too important just because he can win faceoffs. but um I, there, there are ways where you can change those minutes and i, I feel like even um you know now that we know what was going on in the in the bubble but his minutes are certainly you know, Doc got more minutes there, and the Blackhawks are at least on paper deeper. So maybe the the Lions are a little bit more distributed, and you don't have to give them as much. So I, I definitely think that there's something to that, and I, I think it's smart for basketball. I know that it's, um, I'm sure for the fans. Well, it's fans hate it. Yeah, yeah but, I get but, that. but it, it, it's it's what allows these guys, um, especially as they get older and the you know older and and do have that wear and tear. Like it's it Taves and Kane are two of the oldest guys on this team now. You yeah. know, like um, you know, even from what you had talked about with Kane the other day, where uh, it sounds like he hasn't gotten completely over what he was dealing with. At all. Year. No, it sounds like it hasn't, like it's, and it might not ever be fixed. And Kane played the most minutes probably, like he was nearly at the career high minutes last season, yep. you know? Like, at some point, I think those minutes, those ideas have to, uh, you, you have to... You have to modernize yeah. the way you think about coaching hockey. Or, or even just yeah, or even just, even think about how you play. You know, I think it's up to the player too. You know, like it has to be. I, I yeah, I think Colleton was willing to play Kane, but it's also like Kane has. I think Kane has a say in that too, and yep. he always wanted to push. And and you saw him taking more type, uh, you know, taking skates off and that type of thing. And and maybe you have to deal with that a little bit too, where like you know, dealing with with Marion Hosa where it was a skin skin condition, but. Him and Joel were on the same page. Where like, oh, he barely you, ever practiced. Yeah, yeah. If, if you need the day off and if it's what's best for your body, like I, I know that you're a professional and you're going to do the right thing. And and maybe that's some of that too. It's where maybe we don't see Taves and Kane at as many practices. There's enough veterans in that room too. Like it, I don't think that's you know like it, those type of things are all that important. So, but yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think load management in some in some capacity would be important. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's talk about some of the battles. I, I want to start with I, this isn't like a 
high priority, but it's the one I'm most interested in, is, as you mentioned, Lucas Reichel. Every time we talk about Lucas Reichel, he's been impressive somewhere. He's, you know, going from good to great with uh, men in the in the German league. He's doing really well, even though the Hawks weren't playing well as a team at the prospect camp. What if he comes into camp and he's just freaking really good? What if you can't send him to Rockford because he is one of your 12 best forwards? Yeah, I, I think you have. Like, you, you did that with Doc, right? Like, Doc eventually... Yeah. And he didn't even play camp because he got the concussions. Yeah. Like he was I, barely in camp at all. Yeah, I, I think... You've, they've done two... Like, I know that they're supposedly in this rebuilding stage and somewhat, but if he's one of your best players, there there has to be a thought to win now. Like, you have enough veterans around here where you can support him, and um, and, and if, he, if he hits a lull, like, you have enough depth where you can send him to Rockford. But if he's if he's one of your best players and he gives you a better chance to win, um, I, I think you have to put him out there. Like, I... I, I you know, I, when when they drafted him, I was a little skeptical, like everyone else. You know, like, and then to see the the t- steps that he took last year in Germany were, were massive, and then to even see him watching the games in Minnesota the last uh, over this weekend, like he took another step, and he was pretty good on small ice. Like he he made some plays in really small areas that were like, wow, you know, like he created created for himself, created for his teammates. Um, you know, like if some of his teammates had just finished one timers, like he would have had like three or four more assists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, with the way that he handled the puck and. Um, and, and, and everyone's like, well, it's a prospect tournament, and, and I get that. Like, you're not playing NHL level, but I, I've seen enough stuff at Traverse City, enough of these prospect stuff. To, like, if you're a step or two above the rest of the competition, like, you're pretty close to the, being NHL ready and, and maybe even more. Like, there, there are a couple guys in the wild with Matt, uh, Matthew Boldy and Marco Rossi uh, that are, I, I think, NHL caliber now and guys that are ready to contribute. And, and I think Lucas Reichel proved that that he was just there. You know, as, as good as, like, Andre Alte Barmakian and Evan Barrett, some of those guys were, they were good. But they weren't Lucas Reichel's level where, you know, if I was just cutting clips to say these are the best clips, like 60% of them, 70% of them have been Reichel's clips. Like he just, he was that good at creating for himself and defending and, and doing all the things. And um, I, I think he's, not that he didn't have the coaching staff's attention, but I, I think it's, they just realized that, you know, he's pretty close and he's going to push someone and, and it's going to, it's going to have to rise a level. And I think this is one of the Blackhawks with one of the things the Blackhawks really wanted to do with this camp was they wanted some actual battles. Like, a lot of years we go into camp and be like, you know yeah, yeah, you know, like, there, there might be one or two guys. This year, like, there's um, there's seven, eight, nine, maybe, forwards. are like, yeah, for sure. And then it's like, yeah, it's Gaudet, it's Strom, uh, it's Reichel, uh, Carpenter. Borgstrom. It's, uh, Borgstrom. It's, um, you know, signing uh, with Jujar. And, um, yeah, th- there's so many different guys that at a borderline, you know, like, and then, like, Kuroshev, does, does Kuroshev fit on this team? Like, Yeah, I mean, he was very impressive He played 50 year. games last year, and he's one of the guys that doesn't have to go through waivers, so, like, some of that may mm-hmm. determine, and, and, and Michael may end up in Rockford just because he doesn't require waivers, and it does make things more simple, but if he's... Like if he produces and it's like he's well he's better than Borgstrom or if he's doing more than Gaudet or um, and I think the fact that he's a little bit different where I think he brings you more of a defensive uh, you know I think he does a lot of things that Carlton likes especially how aggressive he is and how fast he is on the forecheck and you know like there are guys like Gaudet and Strom that I I think that fall in in Carlton's doghouse sometimes just because they aren't those two way players that he always wants to see so I, I think there's a lot of things about Reichel Reichel's game that Carlton will like so. Um, I, I wish I had a piece of paper. It'd be easier to write down like who we think's on the team. But the, you know, there's the you know top line. What maybe what Debrinket, Debrinket, Kane, uh, Doc, and Kane. Yeah, second line Kubalik with Kubalik because they worked great together in the pre- uh, previous season. And then Hagel. Well, that's see, that's where I would put someone like a Reichel. If I'm going to put yeah. Reichel in the game, 
I'm going to put him with skill players. Yeah. Because Hagel, the good thing about Hagel is he can play up and down the lineup. Yeah, he can play with skill players. He's yeah. got the speed and he's got some skill, but he's an ideal energy guy, third, fourth lineup. I was guy. thinking more of like who's that. an absolute, but yeah, like I, I think Hagel's a guy that yeah. plays. Like I like that top six. That's yeah. a real strong top six. So, so the Sailor's an opening on that second line for someone. And then the third one would be like Tyler Johnson's your center. Yep. Uh, Hagel. Strom. You know, if you, well, what are you going to do with Strom? Are you going to put him on the wing? If, if he does make the lineup, are you going to put him on the wing? Are you going to give him back at center? Because he's not, you know, like Johnson can play the wing also, but he's he's obviously a, he's, he's a he's a good center. That's where you want him. And you figure someone like uh, Ryan Carpenter or someone's going to be your fourth line center now that uh, David Camp's gone. So all of a sudden you're running out of spots pretty quickly with a bunch of guys that think so they're going to make the team. Nylander, yep. Gaudet, Reichel. Um, Borgstrom. Borgstrom. Um, uh, Kyra. Yeah. There's a lot of guys... And not enough spots for them. No, yeah. There's guys that, yeah, that played and Like games. you said, Kurashev can be sent down. I'm, I'm, I'm quite certain that Kurashev is one of their 12 best forwards. Yeah, for sure. I am not certain he's going to make the team. And, and it's you have enough talent also that, like, if you want to design your fourth line differently, like, you could you could make it more offensive. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that they want to keep Carpenter, you know, like they... Well, you need penalty killers, too. You can't have your lineup all be kind of, like, you know... Yeah, and it helps Although that I, to bring, I, to uh, I think that it helps the that the Brinkett and Doc and those guys started yeah. playing PK a little bit more, and you got Hagel and, um, yeah, there's a lot, and then even in the forwards, like you, you, you do have like probably DeHaan and Jones, maybe McCabe and um, uh, Murphy, and then Jones and uh, Stillman, and then you have Kelnick, you have Bodan, you have Mitchell. Um, you have young guys who played a lot, you know, like last season, Mitchell started on the top pairing. I know it was, it was a little bit, you know, you know Duncan Keith was supporting him, but yeah. he was, he was, or maybe he didn't, I don't know, was, did he play with DeHaan to start? Well, either way, like Mitchell played like a top four, like it was a big role last season and, um, you know, he, he's got to take a step, but if he looks right, like they, they have some tough decisions. Like if some of those young guys had really taken massive steps, um, you know, like they, they brought in, you know, the fact that they signed Stillman and, and they, you know, brought in, uh, Caleb Jones, like you brought in some, you have some older guys there too that probably expect to play, and then even in in, in that, like it's 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 Lincoln and Fleury's net, but they have Subban and Delia there. Like this is certainly the deepest team they've had since the Cup years. Yeah, I mean at every position we're talking about all these forwards, then the defense. Yeah, you got all these young guys who have shown they can play in the NHL, whether they should be or not is is it different. But they got all these guys, and now you got goaltending depth. You know, out the wazoo here with like five NHL caliber goalies and and, and Soderblom on the way. I need to take a pause here for a second. Are we being optimistic? Because I, 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 do we think, like, I'm not used to this sensation of expecting the Blackhawks to be competent. It's been a while, but this feels like the, the more we talk about it, we're talking about them in really pretty positive terms here. Well, we seem to think they're going to be pretty good this year. I, I feel like there's a difference because having depth, financial depth, and having being a good team are two different things. Like, that is true. Like, it, it, it helps, though. No, for sure. <laughs> like, like, there's a reason why this team could be. Could be good, like it, you know, but like, but it needs guys like Gaudet and Borgstrom or Reichel, or yeah. like you need, I, I, like it needs tapes too. Like we're also like we have questions about, um, you know, guys in in, in key roles whether they're going to be good. So, um, you know, even guy like Nylander, right? Like Nylander was a top six guy until until he got hurt. I mean, obviously he sat the last game at Edmonton, but they had high hopes for him. So, um, you know, if someone comes like him, like if he's, um. You know, if, if if guys like that pan out and they give you scoring depth, and you know, you would think the Brinkin, you know, the Brinkin was pretty close being a, like a two way like yeah. elite player. Now, well, think, and, and, and you know, we're, we're talking before camp here. By mid October, everything's going to look different. Nobody saw Brandon Hagel coming last year. Nobody yeah. saw that he was going to be that impactful a player. We, you know, I know you wrote about him a bunch when he was in Rockford. He's they liked him, 
But nobody saw this coming. That could be Nylander this year. It could be Reichel. It could be well, it, it could be Elias Someone guys. always steps up that you don't expect. Yeah. And, and it's even like if, if a guy like Hagel takes that next step, when, and for Hagel, it's converting chances. Like as yeah. much as... He creates on every shift. Yeah, like if he can put him away into a 20-goal score, like that just, it adds. Like there, there's a lot of ways that like, yeah, I can see this workout, this workout, this workout, and the Blackhawks are really good. It's also where you see like if if Taves isn't healthy or he can't play or, or Doc doesn't, you know, like he can't get back on the progression. He has problems with his wrist or, or Nylander still has his problems and or Goddad, you know, as much as work Goddad put into this offseason, like if it still doesn't work out, like there's ways to say, yeah, it, it's going to be frustrating for the Blackhawks because uh, all these pieces don't pan out, you know? Like, you have all this depth, but it's, it's just guys who are borderline NHL players or guys who just aren't uh, meeting expectations. So I, I think it can go either way, but I, I think the beauty of the beginning of the season is we don't know, and I think a lot of people tend to look on the optimistic course, side. Yeah. So. Hope springs eternal in the fall. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I right, think there's who, reasons to be optimistic. Who are your who are your six defensemen? I've got DeHaan with Jones, a nice, reliable, stay-at-home kind of guy for Jones to be a little more offensive-minded. I've got McCabe and Murphy because I think that's a dynamite shutdown pair. You, you want to have those 20 minutes where you can put them against anybody. Um, and then I, I've got probably Stillman maybe in and out with Jones with Kalanuck because Kalanuck gives you – he can play on the right side, which they, they're suddenly short on right right hand defensemen. Um, also, he looked pretty darn good last year, and he's the best of those young guys who deserves to play. Um, and – you know, Caleb Jones, like it's a great thing to be the two Jones brothers. is a lot of fun to be had with that story wise. But you know, Caleb Jones is not going to be playing with his brother. He's not a top pairing guy, certainly not yet. He's still working his way through the league. But I see him and Stillman are the kind of guys where you can rotate and scratch one and, and kind of have him in a platoon. But you want, I think, you want at least one of these young guys in there every night. Otherwise, you're just you're still. The Blackhawks keep insisting they still have one foot in the rebuild and one foot in the win yeah. now. If you're doing that, you can't have all veteran defense. It's a little. It looks Although, a isn't little, Kalanick actually older than Caleb Jones? I don't even know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, Kalanick's at 24. <laughs> it looks a little bit different if Kershev's in Rockford and Mitchell and Bodan are in Rockford. Like, it looks like last year has less of a. Yeah, we, we made, it was such a big deal last year how they got nine NHL days. You got rid of Suter and you yeah. got rid of Boquist. And yeah, a lot of the guys that who were played big parts the last season are gone. Um, yeah, I, I think Kalanick makes a lot of sense. I think. You know, it's maybe unfair at this point, but I see a lot of comparison in Gustafson, the way that he plays offensively mm-hmm. and uh, defensively. At least the numbers weren't good. Like, he was the first year in the pro, so we'll see. Um, I'm also curious, like, I mean, guys like Mitchell and Bodan, they're really young, and you can take massive steps in the offseason. So depending on, you know, like, those guys can come back and look like different players. So um, I think, yeah, even seeing Regula, I thought Regula looked pretty good in the prospect mm-hmm. tournament. Not that he's ready yet, but I, I think it's, it can tell you, like, Reichel's progression, like, it tells you what, when you're 19, 20, and Mitchell's 22 years old, Bodan, I think 21, like, at this age, like, you can take massive steps depending on what your offseason workouts look like, and, you know, working with skills coaches, so, like, the Blackhawks also have to be prepared that Mitchell or someone comes into camp and just blows their socks away, you right. know, like, it's, so I think that's the possibility, but I, I think that having, ha- that does one blow their socks away? I don't know, how's it, what's I think this? they blow their socks off. Oh, wait, I mean, that, was like a Brian, that, was a, that was a full-blown Brian Bickleism by you right there, where you just kind of like changed the words around a little bit. That's that's uh, that's how I say it. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I'm yeah. I, I think it's it. I, I think all those things are really interesting, and um, but I, I agree with your defense, and I think Kelnick and Jones is a you know, and Stillman. Like you have, you also have a lot of guys who played NHL games there at that point. You know, like. I think having, um, you know, and then having guys in certain specific roles where I think you can shelter, you know, like Stillman can 
protect Kalanick a little bit, and it's a little bit more of a sheltered offensive role, where I know Kalanick played a lot with Kane last year, and I thought they were creating something, so, like, you put more guys in the specific roles, and, um, yeah, again, on paper, there's, there's a lot to potentially like there. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, let's move on a little bit because we're already running long yep. and we've barely even uh, started. Um, the, the prospect term, we, we mentioned a little bit about how Reichel looked. Okay, so we talked about that. Who else really stood out to you? Uh, the forwards, I thought uh, Alti Barmakian looked really good. Uh, he, he scored a couple of goals. Him and Evan Barrett played a lot together, and um, they, they carried some chemistry last year in Rockford. I think those are two guys that could be depth pieces this year. Um, I think within the role, like guys like, like Josiah uh, Slavin and uh, Mike Hardman or other guys that, you know, if you're looking for some size, I, I think those are guys that are, you know, are capable. Um, Colton Dock played a lot with, uh, with Reichel and, you know, he, he probably is probably a little frustrated. He didn't bury some chances, but he certainly put himself in position to score some, um, you know, defensively Regula and Isaac Phillips played mostly a top pairing and they have some, they have some decent depth defensively in Rockford. You know, they, uh, Jacob Galvis just came over from, from Finland and, uh, Michael Crudo, uh, you know, him and Isaac Phillips, two guys were supposed to play in uh, the CHL last year and, and didn't because of the pandemic, and now they're, you know, going to be in their second years in Rockford. And, uh, you know, Nolan Allen, uh, their first-round pick this year, he was he was solid. You know, I think he, do, he did a lot of things that they like about, you know, defending his own and moving the puck. And, you know, I, I think he's a guy that they're really going to be patient with just because he uh, is more of a defensive defenseman and they don't really have to accelerate him to... Um, Soderblund started the the first game and he and he was fine. Yeah, I I I probably just can't gauge goalies sometimes yeah, and probably hard. need to see him more of them than just the one game on video. But um, you know, I I thought he looked fine. He made some big saves. So um, the Blackhawks lost both games, but they they honestly controlled the play probably more than the Wild did at times. Wild Wild at Boldy and and Rossi, I think, combined for four goals and um, most of the goals scored the entire, entire tournament. The two game showcase were. were uh, off a special team, so there weren't a lot of five-on-five opportunities. Uh, Reichel, again, was the one that shined. You know, he side up, uh, set up Tapley, who I think Tapley's a guy, too. Like, I don't know, like, he's... He, he just scores goals, and, you know, like, he's the type of guy, you put him around talent, he's going to produce. So, Tapley scored a couple of goals, and, you know, Reichel set him up. So, yeah, I, I think the storyline was, you know, obviously Reichel just being probably... Um, what they were hoping he could be. And then you, you have some depth and guys who, a lot of first-year guys in Rockford this year, last year right now are second-year guys and are taking those steps and maybe not guys that are stars in NHL, but you're you're building depth and that's that's what you need. Well, it's, you know? it's, it's interesting. Like last year, everyone you would have talked about would have made the team at some point. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. Now the guys that were number 13 or 14, like a Mike Hardman or a Mackenzie Entwistle, all of a sudden are like number 19 on the yeah. depth chart. And it's going to be a long time before those guys cracked. And that's how it was for all those years when the Hawks were really good. Now, is this Hawks team that good? No. But it, it, it's telling about the state of the franchise where we're, not, we're talking about long-term prospects now. Even, like, Mitchell and and, uh, and, and some of these guys are... It's harder for those long-term. guys to make it just based yeah. on the, the depth they have. Like, you think of all those forwards in in Chicago this year, and then the next tier is, like, Entwistle and Hardman and guys that Barrett and Altima Hockey and that 
they're probably not going to get that chance as right. much this year. Like last year, like like it was all about yeah. giving those guys chances. This year, and this if is those all guys with, get chances, something really shitty happens. Yeah, and this is all without signing Shalunov, so it's 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 obviously. How did, have, have you been? How have you been handling that? I, I I've been coping. Um, yeah, him, I, him I, and Kaimov aren't aren't off great, the great starts and uh, look them up together. I, but. I, I feel like like first Dylan Secura. Now Max Shalunov, these guys, you put so much effort and ground, lay so much groundwork for them to be to be the guy, and then they just they just they break your heart. Well, Shalunov's different because I've never really <laughs> covered him from afar. Um, you want to get into some questions here? Yeah, let's, let's, let's see what we got. We have not pre-screened these at all, so forgive me here. I'm calling them up on my phone because I just lost it because I'm an unprepared, unprofessional hack. Um, here we go. Uh, Oh, here we go, right off the bat. How many weeks, games into the season will we know if it's the defensive system or coaches versus players? I don't know if you can so easily distinguish that. I, I don't... Th- we can talk about whether Jeremy Carlton is putting these guys in a position to succeed, but you're not going to magically just say, like, oh, it's the coach's fault, oh, it was the player's fault. Like, it's not going to be that black and white. There's always going to be gray area in these things. It depends on what it looks like, though, right? Like also, it's... I would like to say this. This is year four now of the system. At some point, the players have to fucking pick it up. <laughs> well, this is the first year I think that there's, like, there's no, I mean, as good as Keith and Seabrook once were, they weren't those players, and they didn't fit this system, and, and some of that maybe is on Carlton that he didn't change, but he was he was obviously adamant that this is a system that we're going to eventually win with, and, and now he, he's got his players, you know, like, Murphy's played well in this, mm-hmm. he, 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 you know, I'm, I'm sure he had a lot of say in Jones and McCabe, um, and even Caleb Jones, like, they've picked out guys that they thought they can play, so I got, there, there's, there's no excuse at this point, and uh, I, I do think that the prior, you know, like the issues, when I look at, when you go back and look at why there are breakdowns, it, it, it happened because of personnel, like, it was Keith's problems, or, or Zidoroff's, and it happens less with other guys, so, yeah. like, like there, there are guys who play well in the system, and there are guys that weren't, so, I, I yeah, like, but, but, after this, like, if the system isn't working and there are breakdowns, then you, you can't be like, yeah, it's all on the players because you went out and picked these players. You right. know, like, it, it, it's someone's fault at that point because they've chosen the personnel. No, if the team's a disaster, you got to think Jeremy Colleton's seat gets real warm yeah, in, in for a sure. hurry. Yeah. Because this is not, again, like, Colleton was brought on to be the, you know, the young, the youth, the, 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 the young guy whisperer where he was going to be usher them in to become great interest players. That's not the case anymore. This is now a team that's supposed to compete right away. And if they don't, well, then that's when it starts falling on the coach. And it, also, the it also falls on the GM. Like, does, does nope, Stan sure, Bowman yeah. get another coach to hire? Like, they, they blamed everything on Joel Quinville. And if it's if Jeremy Carlton doesn't work out, then, like, whose fault is it at that point? You I know? would say this, though. Like, Joel Quinville was fired when the team was 6-6-3. Six, six, and three. Jeremy Collins is not getting fired if they're 6-6-3. Six, six, no, no, for sure. They, like they were looking for a reason to fire Joel. Yeah. They're not looking for a reason no, to fire Joel. No, but yeah, no, I, I think some things will have to go really sideways right. for them to do that. It's going to have to be a... But at that point, point, I think I think pointer fingers become pointed at more than, than Carlton if they're really that bad. I know? agree. Uh, we've got some questions we've already answered here. Dylan Strom, Lucas Reichel. Um, which player do you think will be the best locker room quote on the team this year? I'm telling you. You know, I, 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 I had a chance to really sit down with Marc-Andre Fleury and Seth Jones. Um, at the player tour, and they're both like, I, I like Seth Jones, he's a pretty laid-back dude. Um, and, uh, excuse me, just got a phone call. Um, <laughs> we've, uh, yeah, I, I, Marc-Andre Fleury, man, it's funny, because I, 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 I covered him almost 20 years ago. I was a rookie on the uh, Penguins beat when he was a rookie base. I covered his draft, and then he was this really shy, giggly, awkward 19-year-old, and now he's just this so confident, thoughtful, you know, worldly, learned Ve- uh, beloved veteran, and I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to, you know, to getting a chance to talk with him more in the future. 
I'm hoping the room's open, because I, I think Lincoln and a lot of these guys that we just, we've only talked to, I mean, we talked to Lincoln prior, but Lincoln's a, a fun quote, and um, yeah, I just have an opportunity to hopefully talk to Taves and Kane and all these guys face-to-face, like, just the conversations are a lot better, and yeah, I think there's a lot of guys in the room that'll be that'll be great quotes, and it's just, it's a lot easier um, if it's, you know, in person, so I, I'm, I know we've got mixed messages, but right now it, it sounds like the Blackhawks room's um, for now, it's open. For open, so we're, we're hopeful that things are, are back to normal, and we're, we're traveling, and we're booking trips, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm really optimistic about. Yeah, it'd be fun to cover. I, I guess a team that's successful and all that, and, and but those things really like we're still going to do our job. But our job's a lot easier done when it's when it's access, so and I, I think it helps our creativity and it helps us write better stories. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to this season just because there's potential to have open locker rooms again. Okay, Mike S is asking who will center the fourth line, Carpenter. Uh, Kyra or someone else. I, I think Carpenter has the edge because, you know, he's been a consistent presence on that fourth line on the wing with uh, with David Camp in the center. He's a, he is a center by trade, and uh, he can win a faceoff, and Carlton trusts him. But there's a lot of options down there. Yeah, Carpenter's faceoff numbers aren't uh, – yeah, they've been kind of up and down. I, I think it's going to come down to some of that too because, like, I wonder if Tyler – like, if, if Borgstrom or Strom or someone takes the third-line center spot, like, does – does Tyler Johnson get bumped to the fourth line? Maybe. I mean, he was playing it in Tampa. For... Yeah. So like, I, I and Tyler Johnson's has a pretty good faceoff percentage. So like, I I wouldn't dismiss that as a possibility too. Where, um, I, I think a lot of it matters too. Like, does where does Reichel if he fits in? Uh, you know, Strom, Goddad. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of guys who have played center. Borgstrom. Um, can they win faceoffs? Uh, does does Doc improve? Like. Some of it's there too. Like if it depends on if you need Taves taking all the defenses on faceoffs, or I, I think some of that how they they set up the lines will be based on some of that too. So, um, but yeah, I think Carpenter. I, I you know I don't this lineup though. I mean, almost everyone in this lineup has played center at some yeah, point. Yeah, no, they, they, they have that. They have so many options. Yeah. That Carlton loves that. It's gonna be like team candidate. It's not as good. They're gonna have like eleven centers in their top twelve. Uh, last, we got waving worm here. Uh, has management been inconsistent about their messaging on goalies? Crawford wasn't offered a two-year contract because of the transition to younger goalies. Now Mark Andre Fleury is taking what would have been Crawford's second year, or do they not just, or do they just not trust Crawford? I don't think it's that. Um, I think the the they you know they're I think they really did enter last season thinking, all right, we're starting over here, we're starting from scratch. Then all of a sudden things start changing. It's like, all right, well, some of these guys are more ready than we expected them to be, and maybe we want to push a little harder. And all of a sudden, Seth Jones is disgruntled in Columbus, and like, oh, maybe we can go get him. And then the someone Mark, took Seabrook's contract. Someone took Seabrook's contract. The Mark Andre Fleury thing is a lot like the uh, um, the, 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 the the Robin Leonard thing, where it's like. Well, he's available. Well, why, why for wouldn't nothing. you? Why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, they, they gave up cap space. That's all for him. Like, why wouldn't you do you that? You have the cap space. So I, I don't think they intended when they sent out that letter to, to fans in October. They didn't think this is a one year thing, and next year we're going to be loading up. But the the situation changed. Options were available to them, and they were aggressive. The and other thing is we'll that see, it, we'll see if it was for the best for better if, or worse. If, if Delia or Subban were more, like, if they had better seasons, I don't think they, you know, like, if they were two guys, be like, these are guys that we want, and both of them were inconsistent, you know, like, I think they were very sure on Lincoln and being, you know, a, a two or a 1A, uh, 1B, and I feel like they're like, we need to address goalies still, like, there wasn't enough in Delia to Subban to say that if we put these goalies back out there, that, that it's going to be much different than we saw last season, where, where it's ups and downs, where Subban certainly had good games, but when you look at his overall percentage, it, it wasn't great, and, and Delia certainly, uh, you know, lost faith early on, and he was good, 
good late in the season, but there's not enough of a sample size there to say that, yeah, we can rely on Delia next season. So the fact that you can go out and get someone who, you know, a Vesna winner for, for you know, a, a minor prospect, um, and you have the cap space, like, it, it all added up. So, yeah, I don't know if it's so much the messaging. I think they traded, uh, they didn't sign Crawford because they did want to provide that opportunity last season to see what they had, and they went through with it, and th- there were just some decisions based off of that now. So, any last thoughts? Anything you want to get into? Uh, no, no, I'm just, I'm, ready yeah. To get, I'm ready to get back to it. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, it's been a long it's, off season of covering different things, and it'll be nice to cover some hockey, and, yeah, just, uh, it'll... Just, just to be back on the road, hopefully yeah. back in the rooms, and just to be able to do our jobs the way it's meant to be, because, yeah. you know, oh, we appreciate all the subscribers who have stuck with us for the last 18 months, but, you know, I know Scott and I, we always talk about how we just feel like we're not doing our jobs to the best of our abilities because the situation doesn't allow for it. I mean, doing things over Zoom or even over the phone when the Blackhawks, you know, uh, hook us up with a player to talk to, it's just not the same as kind of roving around the locker room and picking up stories and casual conversations that lead to interesting ideas and just being around the rink and being around scouts and other sources There's that we can There's a guy outside right window just took off his He shirt. is, and uh, let me tell you, he should put a shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I don't know if you realize that this is our this will be our tenth season. Coming. I do. I've, I've thought about that a lot. I'm, I'm all about uh, around numbers. And, yeah. So maybe uh, uh, ten maybe, seasons. If, if if something comes back to normal this year, maybe we uh, maybe in the spring we do some kind of subscriber event. Yeah, I, I just passed my three year anniversary here. Yeah, you've been here since day one. I mean, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be what, six six years come February. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we we both started the same day, January nineteenth, two thousand thirteen, when training camp opened after yeah. the lockout ended. You at ESPN. Maybe we can go back to, to Prague and go back to that bar. That's the best. Yeah, um, but yeah, ten seasons. I uh, yeah, considering that I didn't want to cover this and hate yeah, it the well, first we, year. Uh, that first day, you were very unhappy to be there, and I was like, "Yay! I'm covering the NHL." Uh, we had very different mentalities in it, and uh, it's it's it's. And now we're sitting in a car together and do podcasts it's in all. the rain while some fat guy takes his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I I'm excited. I think we're gonna have. Uh, we obviously we just we had a little bit of our season planning meeting at Manny's and. Uh, we have too many ideas already. Too many. We're trying to figure out how not to blow them all on day one, put it that way. <laughs> that's that's our current plan is the triage of, oh my God, there's 9,000 storylines yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. No, I, I think it's, yeah, there, there's some, the fact that there are so many different players that are really interesting, like it it really lends itself to, yeah, yeah. a lot of story ideas. And so. there's, uh, we're still giving subscriptions. They just extended the uh, the current deal of uh, 50% off an annual subscription, which is an insanely good deal. For uh, all the yeah. way to, to the middle of October, so... Uh, now's the time if you weren't a subscriber over the summer now's the time because we're going to be writing just an insane amount of stories and we'll, and we'll be back to doing this uh weekly again and yeah we, we're, we're the podcast will we will try to come out on mondays consistently but the schedule doesn't always allow for that we're not going to have a podcast come out at 4 p.m on a monday when there's a game two hours later so the schedule will dictate that and our travel yes our travel we're traveling again will dictate that but um yeah look look for us on mondays or tuesdays most weeks and, uh, you know, yell at us on the internet. Yep. We're there. All right. For Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Lazarus Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. See ya. And I know that I can't fix it. I can help even just a little bit. Won't you let me try?